Hello everyone and welcome to the January 29th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with the WorkComp Academy. Let's get started with our litigation news. Oral argument is now set in the Court of Appeal for February 9 in the case of Vicki Elliott versus WCAB. The Elliott case will be the first opportunity for the Court of Appeal to rule on the correct review procedure in spinal surgery cases. Here's what happened. In Elliott, the employer failed to seek a spinal surgery second opinion after UR denied the treating physician's spinal surgery request. Then, the unrepresented worker was not notified of the spinal surgery second opinion process. Nonetheless, after a trial, the work comp judge would not order the requested surgery. The board refused to grant reconsideration and concluded that Sanhagen does not require an employer to seek further review of the UR decision. The WCAB relied on an old 2006 Brasher v. Nationwide Studio Fund decision. However, as the Elliott case worked its way to the Court of Appeal, the board issued the unanimous N-Bank decision in Cervantes v. El Aguia Food Products. Cervantes differed markedly from what the WCAB said in Elliott and specifically disapproved of Brasher and set forth new guidelines for denying treatment in spinal surgery cases. The employer in Elliott did not comply with these new guidelines. The WCAB sent a letter to the Court of Appeal in the Elliott case advising the appellate court of the effect of the new Cervantes decision. After oral argument on February 9, the Court of Appeal will have an opportunity to review the WCAB logic in Cervantes to see how much of this new law they choose to apply in the Elliott case. The opinion that follows may incorporate the new guideline or may modify what the WCAB ordered in the N-Bank decision. The decision will, however, be the first opportunity for the Court of Appeal to consider the issue of the spinal surgery second opinion process after the N-Bank decision in Cervantes. The California Applicants Attorneys Association Convention in Rancho Mirage had a near-record attendance last week. Attorneys heard speakers discuss issues facing injured workers who seek benefits in the California system that has implemented a drastic reduction in benefits. Applicant attorneys are aggressively looking for some form of legislative or judicial relief to restore much of what was taken away by SB 899. CAW has authored various legislative initiatives and has filed briefs as amicus or friend of the court in key appellate cases. One key theme of this year's convention was a full frontal attack on the issue of apportionment of permanent disability, one of the key provisions of SB 899. Apportionment can now be based upon causation but there is little case law defining how this might work for applicants. Apportionment is one of the more costly provisions of SB 899. Arguments were made by panelists that perhaps some of the old rules on burden of proof, such as the Pullman-Kellogg versus WCAB case, might still provide a valid argument against apportionment of permanent disability. 
One of the more closely followed appeals now pending on apportionment is Hertz versus WCAB, a case soon to be decided by the California Supreme Court. Panelists showed how attorneys will need a higher degree of forensic medical sophistication when cross-examining physicians in order to succeed. It was thought that medical evidence on many aspects of apportionment based upon causation is probably speculative. If so, such evidence would fall below the required standard of proof. Panelists agreed that attorneys need to be careful in the cases that are selected to litigate in order to conserve resources that will be consumed by predicted aggressive lawyering. And now, our fraud report. This time of year, we all start to worry about the tax filing deadlines on April 15. At the same time, IRS and federal prosecutors churn out press release after press release touting criminal prosecutions of ordinary taxpayers. This is their not-so-subtle reminder that even ordinary citizens can face severe consequences if they cheat the IRS. This year, Forbes magazine compiled an interesting list of some of the more notable rogues working, however, in the IRS. The Forbes list reads something like a fox in charge of the hen house story. Over the past two years, IRS employees have admitted to soliciting bribes, taking cash gratuities, and helping others cheat on their tax return. Currently, several former IRS agents sit in federal prison for offenses that include ducking their own taxes and even embezzlement. And more to the point, one IRS rogue is facing charges of workers' compensation fraud. Here's what allegedly happened. David Leonce, a supervisory special IRS agent in the Florida Criminal Investigation Division, left the agency in 1997 claiming a disability. Over the next decade, he collected over $773,000 in tax-free workers' compensation benefits. Then, investigators discovered that for some of those years, he co-owned and managed a tattoo parlor in Orlando, Florida. He pleaded not guilty to charges he stole the benefits and failed to report his business, interim, business income from his tattoo business. And in another case alleging fraud, Staffing Services is a temporary employment agency holding contracts for thousands of employees. They have been ordered by the Los Angeles County Superior Court to pay $20 million in restitution for insurance fraud. The California Department of Insurance launched an investigation at the request of the state fund. Charges were filed after a two-and-a-half-year investigation revealed that staffing services shortchanged the state fund for more than $18 million in work comp premiums. Allegedly, staffing services misrepresented the types and number of employees in order to reduce their premiums. The employer negotiated a plea bargain last week in the amount of $20 million, including penalties and interests. However, according to attorneys, the $20 million restitution figure represents a settlement number only. Attorneys for the employer said the net effect of what staffing services is required to pay is an agreed-upon amount of $5 million over 
a 24-year period. And now some medical news. A new study confirms that surgery provides better results than non-surgical treatment for most patients with back pain related to a herniated disc. That is, except for patients on workers' compensation. There appears to be no added benefit of having a surgery for patients on workers' compensation. The study analyzed data on 900 patients with sciatica, which is low back and leg pain related to a herniated disc. As part of a randomized trial, patients were assigned to undergo surgery or non-surgical treatment. Both treatments were effective, but surgery provided more rapid improvement and better results up to two years after treatment. 12% of these patients in the study were on workers' compensation. When looking at that group, for non-workers' compensation patients, the results of surgery were significantly better after three months and remained better after two years. In contrast, the difference between surgical and non-surgical treatment for work comp patients narrowed over time. After two years, work comp patients undergoing surgery had pain, physical functioning, and return-to-work rates comparable to those treated without having had the surgery. The study confirms a long-standing belief that there is an iatrogenic effect of providing benefits through workers' compensation and other social systems. The iatrogenic effect seems to make people less responsive to medical care than if they were treating outside of a workers' compensation system. Another new study published in the Journal of Pain identifies predictor of long, predictors of long-term opiate use among patients with chronic back pain. Despite limited evidence of long-term success, opioid prescribing has increased in recent years for back pain and other non-cancer pain. Participants in this study were recruited from 13 spine specialty centers in 11 states and totaled about 2,000 subjects. 42% reported using opioids for pain from their spine condition and a third said they take opioids every day. Researchers found that non-surgical treatment and smoking independently predicted continued long-term opioid use and, surprisingly, pain severity did not. The authors noted that smoking can also be a marker for substance abuse disorders. This conclusion may be worth considering in surgical decision-making for patients with herniated discs or stenosis. And now, here's some financial news. Despite the dismal economic news across the nation, some of our insurance companies are reporting good economic news this fourth quarter. The Travelers saw its fourth quarter profits climb 60% driven largely by investment gains. The insurer posted record net income for the quarter of over $1.2 billion and full-year net income of over $3.6 billion. It marked the best ever quarter for profits Travelers has seen since 2002. Total revenue in the fourth quarter was over $6.4 billion, up 11% from the year-ago period. 
The insurance industry remains stable and much better than other industries that remain on the economic critical list. The California Workers' Compensation Institute reviewed agricultural workers' compensation claims this week. The new scorecard is based on an analysis of nearly 133,000 claims filed by workers in the state's agricultural sector. This is a fairly diverse employment group that encompasses everything from poultry raising to landscape gardening. Aggregate loss payments on these claims totaled more than $1.4 billion. The data showed the agricultural workers accounted for about 6% of all California job injury claims. And workers' compensation benefit payments have been growing with claims up about 8% in 2008. The average amount paid on an agricultural claim did decline briefly following enactment of SB 899. And now, in other news. A state fund attorney in the Santa Ana office was brutally attacked at the Anaheim office of the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board. Attorney Louise Armstrong was leaving the board from her morning appearance and someone attacked her as she was loading files into her car. It was raining and the assailant reportedly posed as a Good Samaritan and offered to assist her in loading the heavy files. A hotel across the parking lot is currently used as a temporary residence for parolees and the assailant had spent his last night there. The attack apparently left blood on surrounding cars and left the attorney with a fractured skull. The authorities captured the perpetrator within 12 hours with the stolen state vehicle and her case files. The office of the California Insurance Commissioner is sometimes seen by politicians as a good career stepping stone to higher political office. That seemed to have been the case for the former Commissioner John Garamendi, who moved from the Insurance Commissioner's desk to Lieutenant Governor and then to fill the congressional seat vacated by Ellen, Ellen Toshner in Washington. This good fortune does not appear to be the case so far for the current commissioner, Steve Poisner. Polls show former eBay chief executive Meg Whitman has opened up a sizable lead over Poisner, which jeopardizes the possible success of his campaign. The poll found 45% of likely GOP voters support Whitman, while just 17% back Poisner. Still, 38% of likely GOP voters said they remain undecided. Both Republicans also appear to be gaining ground on their presumed Democratic rival, Attorney General Jerry Brown, who has yet to formally announce his candidacy. Whitman, who has said she is willing to spend as much as $100 million on her gubernatorial bid, has already spent more than $20 million on radio ads and campaign consultants. At the same time, her lead has grown to 28 percentage points from 13-point edge over Poisoner last October. Whitman's popularity is growing with both Republicans and independent voters who compromise 20% of the California electorate. These voters will be key in the general election. The outcome of this election may have profound effects on California workers' compensation politics. 
some Democratic politicians have promised to pass legislation reversing part, if not all, of the reforms enacted by SB 899. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. And again, I'm Renee Foles with the WorkComp Academy. Thanks for joining us, and please visit us again next week.